Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Father, I just come to you this morning, and before I get into this, I just have a sensing that you're really wanting, as always, but a special sensing this morning that you're wanting to change someone's life this morning. Father, I'd love you to change my life even more, so I just want to open up my heart to you. And maybe you do too, as you're sitting there in that attitude of prayer, you'd say, Lord, we don't come today to try and fit your word into our life, but rather we come today to say, let our life change to fit into your word. Let us be transformed into the mold of what you're designing, not fitting you into our world, because you are first. Whether we put you first or not, you are first. You are the Alpha and the Omega. We just love you so much this morning, and I just thank you for what you're going to do in advance And everybody with faith said, amen. Amen. Put God first. I'm going to go to a couple of scriptures. Um, I'm going to bounce around a bit, but if you have got your scrolls or tablets or Bibles there, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at the last section of Matthew chapter 6. Jesus does a lot of teaching in Matthew chapter 6, especially about putting God first. Uh, I haven't really got a title, I don't think, just first. Uh, The principle in the Bible of first is a really important principle. We're going to start with what Jesus says. Um, He's giving us instruction not to worry about our life. Let's start with that scripture that's on the screen. It says, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, he says the pagans, he's saying for the people who don't have a covenant relationship with God, people that are not connected to God, for the pagans, they run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The principle of first in the Bible, I love what Jesus says here. He says, people that don't know God and have a, don't have a relationship with God, they're running after all these things. And the things he talked about prior in the context is, he, he says, don't worry about what you should wear. I mean, look at the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful they are. Even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't looked after like God looks after the lilies. And, and they're, they're here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow. And he says, look at the birds of the air. Like they, they, look, at, look at how God looks after them. And are you not more valuable of that? And then he says, you know, but the pagans, people that don't know God, they've got to run after their stuff. They've got to chase after their provision. They've got to work hard to get what they've got to get in their own strength. But if you have a relationship with God, you just got one thing you've got to do. you just got to put me first and everything you need will come running after you. That's the bottom line. You put God first in your life and everything you need, he says, you don't have to chase it because it will chase after you. Deuteronomy 28, when he talks about the blessings of obedience, says they'll literally overtake you, all the blessings and good things of God. Why? Because you've worked for it? No, because Jesus has done it all, hey? Religion is spelt D-O. The gospel is spelt D-O-N-E. It's done, amen. And so I get excited about the gospel. See, there's a principle of putting things first. God, in fact, all through the Bible, I'm going to have a little look in a moment, there is an order to things. Who knows God is the God of order, not disorder. Uh, order is important. If anyone's married here this morning, I've discovered when I got married that order is really important. In fact, I discovered, and I'm getting revelations on this, and I'm just going to hand them out here for all the men that might be interested, that there's an order to putting dishes in the dishwasher. (laughs) I didn't know this stuff. 
And I seemed to get it wrong so many times, I thought I would be relieved of my dishwasher stacking duties by now. But I kept getting, having to do it because if you get it right, apparently it's more effective for the water. You, if, you get it, if you get the first thing right, the rest is blessed. Apparently also, there's an order, and I'm only really getting a handle on this one, to get your dirty clothes from your body to the washing machine. And it's a divine order. And I've discovered, I have recently, we've been married nearly 19 years, and I've discovered there's this thing in the bathroom called a basket. And apparently, guys, I'm helping you out here, apparently our clothes are not meant to go next to the basket. But there's an order, apparently you put them in the basket. And then again, there's a divine order. You know, I've discovered there's even an order in marriage to intimacy. Wondering where I'm going right now, aren't you? <laughs> I heard a story that, that men are like microwaves. You just got to hit the right button and we're turned on. And women are more like crockpots. It takes time. There's an order. And I've discovered the order is stack the dishwasher right, get your clothes in the basket right, and hopefully later she'll remember and there's a divine order. You've got to get first things first. God is a God of order. And there is an order in the Bible that leads to blessing in our lives. I believe that when we get God first, the rest is blessed. Hear me well, the rest is not perfect. Just because you put God first doesn't mean you won't get a phone call that you weren't expecting. Doesn't mean you won't get a diagnosis. Doesn't mean you won't go through a valley. When you put God first, it doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect, but it positions you to walk through any valley with the presence of God and a spiritual step that you walk through with God. But he has to be first. All through the Bible, God demands first place. The Ten Commandments, the first one says, Have no other gods before me. Stuff is good, but don't have it before me, God says. He's a jealous God. I love how the Bible starts with three, a few words. In the beginning, God. It starts with a statement. In the beginning, God wants to be in the beginning of your day. God wants to be in the beginning of your marriage. God wants to be in the beginning of your relationships. He wants to be in the beginning of your financial decisions. He wants to be in the beginning of everything. And then it says, in the beginning, God created. If you want to see what God could create in your life, put him in the beginning, first place. He demands first place and see what he can create. The um, theological term for this could be known as the preeminence of Christ. The preeminence, the supremacy. This Leonardo da Vinci, the famous painter, once took one of his friends to, to look at his masterpiece, The Last Supper. And he said, I want you to critique The Last Supper. And his friend said, the most striking thing in the picture is the cup. Leonardo took his brush and wiped out the cup. And he said, nothing in my painting shall attract more attention than the face of my master. Nothing. And sometimes we've got to take a brush to our life. And we've got to brush out some stuff that's getting in the way of our relationship being first place with our master, with Jesus. Sometimes we've got to get that brush out because the heart of it is that God wants first place because he wants our hearts. All through the Bible, as I said, this principle of first is seen and I'm not going to go there for sake of time, but I was really interested in Exodus chapter 13 when God said to Moses, he says, I want you to consecrate every first point 
livestock and womb. Every male firstborn, even out of the womb, is consecrated. What he means is it's set apart. It belongs to me. The firstborn male, God says, belongs to me. And, and even of livestock, because the first of everything belongs to God. Um, and then it's very interesting because he said, he goes on to say in Exodus 13, around 11 and 12, he said, when you have an unclean animal born like a donkey, it needs to be redeemed. See, the firstborn is either redeemed or sacrificed. It's sacrificed to the Lord. It's holy unto the Lord. It belongs to God, but it's either redeemed or it's sacrificed. And so if you get a clean animal like a lamb, it's, it's sacrificed to God. But if you get an unclean animal, it says like a donkey. Think about unclean donkey. A donkey is an animal of stubbornness, an ab- animal of uncleanness, of, of sin. And it says, if you, the firstborn unclean animal must be redeemed by a clean animal. If it's not redeemed, if you, so if you, don't, if you don't redeem this unclean animal, I'm going somewhere with this, if you don't redeem that donkey, then break its neck. Because if, if, if the first is not redeemed, if you don't redeem it, you lose it. But if you sacrifice a clean, a lamb, then the donkey is redeemed. And you think about you and me, when you were born, were you born clean or unclean. The Bible says, surely from birth, from birth, from the time of my conception, I was sinful at birth because we were born separated from God. And God believes in putting first things first so much that for you and me to be redeemed, he sent, he gave of his first, his firstborn son, Jesus Christ, when he went on the cross, was redeeming the unclean so that you and I don't have to have our necks broken, so that we are redeemed. He sacrificed, even God sacrificed the first. And Jesus, because of Jesus' offering, the rest is blessed. He is the firstborn among many. We, when God even puts things first, you could say, in fact, God was tithing almost. He was putting first. It's a powerful thought. So I want to just give us this morning three areas in our life that can really help us to keep God first in our life. Now, these are not law, legal things that you have to do, but these have blessed my life and I believe will bless yours. Are you ready? Number one, bring it on. That's what I want to hear. Number one, put God first in your day. First in our day. Again, not legalistic. If you wake up in the morning and you need to go to the toilet, as a lot of us do, don't get condemned that you haven't spent time with God. (laughs) But putting him first in your day is a powerful thing when we say, God, I want you to have the first part of my day. I want you, it says to God, you are number one priority. You are the most important relationship. You're more important than my relationships at school. You're more important than my relationships at work. You're more important than what I've got on today. You are number one. You are when you put God first, the the rest is blessed. As I say, you set the tone for your day. Amen. I know if I haven't started my day with God, it's like walking out, like feel like I haven't brushed my teeth. It's just like, it just doesn't feel right. Because it's not a legal law thing. It's just that it sets the course. He, he deserves first place. And when you do that, like Denzel, by the way, we didn't have a movie this morning. We, we had a plethora of movies. Denzel's on all sorts of movies. My personal favorite is Deja Vu. I love that one. There's lots of others. But yeah, I just wanted to, anyway, there wasn't a real movie. But uh, he said, I, I hope you kick your slippers under the bed a bit more. So that when you get up in the morning, you get on your knees because you are legless without God in your life. It's true. You want to walk in strength and get on our knees and say, God, I need you. It's a position of humility. You have first place in my day. When you think about Jesus, his most repetitive behavior in the four Gospels 
was that he got away to be alone with his father. Very early in the morning. And all the morning people said, very early in the morning. Sorry, all the non-morning people. While it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus would get up and disconnect from everything else to connect with God. The most important connection comes out of our disconnection with the world and connecting with God early. Um, Again, it's not a legalistic law and I never feel guilty if I haven't spent time with God. I just feel hungry. I'm just that I need him. It's not a duty, it's a delight to spend time with God. I think about me and Sky when we get opportunities to be on our own, to have a coffee or something. It's not, it's not like I've got to, I just tick this box to get, to get, get this done. <laughs> it's not like that at all, is it? In fact, one of the favorite parts of my day being married, and I just love it. And uh, on a day when Sky works, just that moment where we both get home from a day's work and just having that half an hour just to sit down and have a drink and just talk to one another and just hear. You know, it's not, it's not like, oh, I've got to do this. And with God, he is our heavenly father. He, he's watching you at night. He's watching you as you sleep. And he's waiting for them eyes to open because he wants to be with you. He wants to bless your day. He wants to walk with you. He wants to talk with you. He's got so much for you and he's just waiting for you. And sometimes we get up and we're so busy that we don't put God first. And he's like, hey, I'm not angry. I just love you. I, I want to be with you. It's a grace, not a law. Amen. The psalmist said, Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I love that thought where he says, Early will I seek you. In other words, before the crisis hits, I'm going to seek God. Let me just say something. The best time to be putting God first in your life and seeking God is when everything is going okay. That is the best time to continue in that because who knows, it's only a few more breaths and a few more steps before something hits you, a hurdle comes. But when you've got that private history of, of being with God, of, of sitting with God, of being close to God, when you've got private history built up, you know that God, it's not that he leaves you, you're just more conscious and more attuned to his presence in your life. And that is the number one thing to tune into. Put him first in our days. Number two... Put him first in our week. We seek him at the start of the day. We worship him at the start of the week. I love the church gathered. I love coming to church. And ever since the early church started in the book of Acts, there was a priority of gathering together. There was a real priority that Christians would never be isolated, would never be dis located from a body that breaks God's heart is when body members are dislocated and God's desire is that we're gathered and it's more than just being in the same room it's been of the same heart vision and purpose amen and it says here it says Acts 20 verse 7 on the first day of the week we came together to break bread there is something about giving God the first part of our week and and yes, I can understand, I know what it's like, you know, it can feel like a sacrifice to be here on a Sunday morning. You've worked all week, you've worked all week, you've got managing family, you're managing uh, employment, you're managing 
social events, you're managing sporting activity, you're managing all this stuff. And, and even all week you get paid to go to work and then you, at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning you've got to rock up where you don't get paid but you possibly even give money away? Are you crazy? It's my only day off and it can feel like a sacrifice but God doesn't want us to smell like a sacrifice. So I did because I walked past the kids' fire this morning as I come in. He wants you to, when we come in, he says it feels like it but it is nothing compared to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. Nothing to be called a son and a daughter of God to come at 9am on a Sunday morning, lift up our hands and say, Jesus, I'm here because I'm worshipping you. I love you. It's not about me this morning. I'm not here to consume. I'm here to contribute. Amen. At the first part of the week. And that is a powerful thing. Again, not a legalistic thing. There are times where you can't get to church. There's shift work. There's reasons. I would never condemn anybody for that. I am just so passionate about the church gathered because it's the times where my life has been changed and impacted and transformed. Yes, it happens in other times outside of it, but there is a special thing when two or three come together. Jesus is there am I in the mist. You won't get this at the footy club. You won't get this at the sports club. You won't get this at the pub. You'll get other spirits there, but not the Holy Spirit, eh? And when we come together, it's powerful. Powerful. And it's a powerful thing to put it at the start of your week. I love that. We don't have conversations in our house like, shall we go to church? <laughs> Do you feel like going to church today? No, that's okay, we're going anyway. And that there's different seasons, but I just want to encourage you. The Bible says, let us not give up the meeting of ourselves together, the gathering, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I know in my journey early on when I really came on, uh, gave my heart to the Lord and recommitments, and I, I lived by the theology that you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Like I lived by that. And it's true. Going to church won't make you a Christian any more than going to Pizza Hut will make you a pizza. Just won't. But you know, just because you have a gym membership doesn't mean you're fit. And I'm pressing some buttons right now, aren't I? Just because you have the membership, it's going to the gym and working out that makes you fit, amen? Amen. And, and it's coming and working out what God has worked in you. That's what the Bible talks about, working out your salvation with fear and trembling. We work out what he's working in. It's coming in environments like this where you hear the word of God, where you worship together, even just to sit still in this busy world and to stop and just go, Lord, I'm just giving this week to you. It's a powerful first fruits commitment to say, that's what I'm going to be doing. Amen, amen. Wasn't having a go at anyone specific with the gym membership. So be nice after Sky. <laughs> we want to be fit for service. <laughs> no, we have a running joke about this. It's all right. We have a running joke. Looking forward to moving over to Calamunda Way and joining a gym, by the way. Vibrant for life. Vibrant for life. Any other marketing? We're going live now. Let's put it out there. Let's put it on the... <laughs> the first... In our day, the first in our week, and here we go, we're going to really step on some toes now. The first in our finances, the first in our treasure, our last point. Um, stay with me, don't leave the building yet. The principle of first really comes from the fact, when it comes to our finances, it comes from, I reckon, Psalm 24.1, which says that everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You know, we are not owners 
of anything. You don't own your house, you don't own your car, you don't own our possessions, we don't own our kids. Praise the Lord, you say. We're just stewards. We've just been given to steward, and one day we won't be taking anything with us. So everything belongs to God. And it's out of that understanding that God in the Old Testament initiated this thing, and James has mentioned it, called tithing, called tithe. The word tithe simply means a tenth. It was recognized by Abraham who paid tithes of his spoils to Melchizedek. I'll just be a couple more minutes, Luke, and then I'll get you to do that. Thanks, mate. Um, oh, you're right. No, you can start just softly, softly. You know, Abraham, it says here, he delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Did I have that on screen? Yes, I did. Gave him a tenth. So it, it, it's, it, through Scripture, it starts here with Abraham going, you know what, You've, I've had this blessing, I'm giving a tenth. Then in Leviticus 27.30, it says this, the next screen, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. See, the principle of tithing isn't really giving. We say give your tithe. It's not. It, 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 giving is a sense like it belongs to me. I give it. No, it's bringing. Always in the Bible, they would bring their tithe because it actually belongs to God. Everything is his. So I'm bringing what already belongs to you, and I'm bringing it to you, God, as, a, as an act of worship, as an act of trust, as an act of faith, as an act of saying you are number one in this area. See, a lot of people gets, gets a lot of people money, Amen. For the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is awesome. Money is wonderful. Money is powerful. But the love of it, the spirit of lusting after it, the spirit of it is this, when money has you and you don't have money. When money owns you, you won't give. You won't be generous like God is. But when you have money and you say, God, help me in this discipleship area of my life, you give generously, not just tithing. I love being generous, don't you? I mean, I'm sure if I said this morning, raise your hand if you'd love to be generous this morning, all hands would go up. Raise your hands if you'd love to give more away. Most hands, because it's a buzz. And I can share story after story how God has provided for us in amazing ways. And I often look back and I remember a seed that was sown and then God's provision has flown and just flown. It's amazing. And it's an important area that it belongs to God. Proverbs 3 verse 9, the next scripture says this, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase or income, the first fruits. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new organic red wine. Oh, I didn't say that, did it? But that's my favourite. It says, if you honour God with your possessions, with the first fruits, there's a promise that there will be abundance. Now, we don't be generous to get. You don't give to get. The reason we... See, generosity is not something we do. It's something we are. We are generous because we represent a generous God. For God so loved the world that He gave. He's a so when we are generous, it's not something we're doing. It's just who we are. It's in our DNA as children of the Most High God. 
And, and, but the truth is, though, he does bless that. He loves generosity. He loves seeing a generous heart. Even in the Bible, Jericho, when they were going into the promised land, catch this, and they defeated the first city, Jericho. The instruction was that all the silver and all the gold and everything, that, all, the, all the spoils, goes to God's house. Why? It was the first city. The first always belongs to God. And he's like, you're going to step, you want to step into the promises of God? You want to keep going into the promises of God? It's an act of trust and faith to give God the first. See, tithing isn't 10%. It's the first 10%. If I had up here right now 10 $10 notes and I sure 10 sheep for $10 each and one day and I got $10 from each person. I had $100 there. And I'd say, well, which one is the tithe that God's talking about in the Old Testament? And the truth, according to Scripture, is it would be the first sheep, I'm sure. The first one is, belongs to God. That's, what, that's the principle in the Old Testament that they're saying. And it's that, that first one that goes to God because He is not the God of the leftovers. He is not the God at the end. He is not the God when everything else is done. He is first in our hearts and in our life. And I want to go into the promises of God. I don't know about you. I do. I want to step into everything He's got for us as a church, for our lives, for our families, for our workplaces, for everything. And so let's go over to the New Testament, just a couple more scriptures. Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 19, Do not store up for yourself treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Catch this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus spoke more about money than just about everything else. He spoke lots about it because he, it's a heart issue. It's not a wallet issue. It's a heart issue in our life. And he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. In other words, you can lead your heart with your treasure. Your heart can be led by where, where you are generous. Catch that. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Some people say, I wish I had more of a heart for God. I wish I had more of a heart for serving. I wish I had more of a heart for Jesus. I tell you what, start leading your heart with your money, with your giving. If you call Calamunda Church home, start investing. That's where my treasure's going and my, your heart will soon follow. Trust me. It's not a feeling. It's an obedience. Trust in God. We can lead our hearts. Some say, Brad, that's all good. Are you saying that we have to give 10% of our income? No, I'm not. I'm definitely not saying that. And I'm going to tell you what we are saying as a church is a bit of a vision statement for giving in a second. But before I do... You might say, well, it's not in the New Testament. That's all Old Testament stuff. Let me read one New Testament. Teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth, a tithe of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Now catch this last sentence. You can see where they were out of whack. You know, they've neglected this part. He said, you should have practiced the latter Justice, mercy, faithfulness. But then he says, without neglecting the former. He's saying, I'm not doing away with tithing. tithing. I haven't come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law. But don't neglect it. See, I've heard preachers and I've been in churches where, and I'm, uh, where, where a preacher get up and will go straight to Malachi and say, hey, hey, don't rob God. 
If you're not tithing 10%, you're robbing God. And I understand the biblical basis in Malachi in that Old Testament time. For, for I understand that and, and how the Bible says, so bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that I may open up the windows of heaven, pour out such a blessing that you can't contain. It sounds amazing. And, and I think that that's great. But to me, I think the biggest part of that, what God's heart is, when we aren't generous, we rob God of blessing us. That's what I believe. I understand the context of Scripture, but I believe God's heart is He wants to open the heavens. He wants to pour out blessing that you can't contain it in every area of your life. And He says, so put me first in your marriage. Put me first in your day. Put me first in your week. Put me first in your finances and watch the windows of heaven open and I pour out a blessing in every area of your life. But I demand first place, not legalistically, not out of duty, but out of delight. Shall a man rob God? I don't want to rob him of blessing me. I don't want him to feel, I want to to bless you more. And again, we are blessed, not because of what we do. So please don't hear me the wrong way in this. The spirit of this sermon, the spirit of this sermon is not about getting us to do more or give more. It's about a discipleship issue around putting God first in every area of our life. One pastor once said to me, he said, Brad, we all spend over 40 to 60 hours a week making money all week, but we're not allowed to talk about it at church. (laughs) People get uncomfortable. Well, we should, any family that's healthy can talk about absolutely anything. Anything. Here's the heart of Kalamunda Church of Christ when it comes to giving. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7, it says this. Each of you should give. I'll just stop there. Each of you should give. We should. But it should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly and not under compulsion. Because God loves a cheerful giver. A cheer, someone who's cheerful right now isn't getting their knickers in a knot, <laughs> isn't getting their heartbeat racing first, faster, isn't thinking, what do they talk about? I'm never coming back to this church. That's okay. Um, that's not a, cheer, a cheerful giver. Is When you're a cheerful, catch this, you're relaxed. You're comfortable. You're, you're okay. And I, I don't say, one of my pastor friends, he said to me, Brad, he said, whenever I speak about giving in our church, he says, I don't really say you've got to give 10%. I just point out what the scripture says. And I say, hey, give where you're at. And he says to his church, he says, make 10% your goal, but maybe you can give more. Maybe you can't do that right now, but just start somewhere in an act of putting God first in your finances. It's not a law, legalistic thing. And we're under grace, of course, but, but I want us to be blessed. Are you with me this morning? The crickets are with me. At the end of the day, putting God first in our finances is not a pocket issue, it's a heart issue. This will never be a church that will go on and on about money. You might think, really, you have this then? This will never be a church that will go on and on about money in an unbalanced way. This will always be a church where you can talk about money as any healthy family can. And in this season, I want to let you know that as a church, we have communicated that our leaders and finance team, for want of a better word, behind the scenes have recently stripped back our budget because we currently, we are just not sustainable as a church to continue doing all that we're doing. And I say that just to make you aware. Uh, In our letter, as we said, it's not a cry for help. We are excited. You know, last week when I preached about the little boy that gave his lunch to Jesus and he multiplied it, and I said, when there's a problem, get excited because there's opportunities. Like, our budget's not sustainable. Well, let's get excited. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to see God move. People aren't our source. God is our source. And... um, but we do want you to be aware of that, that that's what's happening. And we're working hard in that area to be good stewards, to be wise, 
But then we're still on mission around here. We still have nearly $50,000 set aside in a mission budget on its own that is dedicated for local or, or, or missional outreach. And, and you as a body in this, in this body have opportunity to come to us leaders. And, and if you have things on your heart to reach out and are willing to champion them and be a part of that, that money is going to be there for that. If it lines with the vision of, and, and I'm excited, we're on mission. God's going to do things just because I'm giving a bit of an update and a bit of a family moment here. Hey, we're still on mission for Jesus. We're excited. We're excited, but I do believe that as people come on board and as we get understanding in this space, more and more, it'll bless our lives. And that's my heart, not to be legalistically applied, but rather to have keys in our life. So I'm coming to a close now and I want to challenge us all in our life of putting God first. Where, how, does it, how is it in your heart this morning? Is there areas of your life that you know what? God's not first in that area. I once preached a, a message when I first started preaching and I made this statement and, and then I wondered why I said it. I said, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. And then I've been thinking about that for nearly 20 years of preaching and I don't really agree with it. <laughs> he is Lord. You know, because none of us are ever going to be perfect in any, every area of our life. Until we go and see Him face to face, we're not going to be perfect. And we don't want any perfect people at this church. Amen? <laughs> but there are areas of our life that God wants us to grow in. And maybe this morning it's the area of just putting Him first in some part of your life. Maybe a part I haven't even spoke about. But you know your heart, what it means for you to put Him first in your day. Maybe in your week, making church a commitment. Again, I don't say that just to get bums on seats. I say that because I know God wants to bless us as we gather. We have a vision here of seeing people, this being a place where you can bring non-Christian friends and they will hear the gospel. They will hear it clearly and they'll have opportunity to respond very regularly. Amen? And maybe this morning you haven't got God in your life at all. And it all starts with saying to Jesus, I want you in my life. I want to be forgiven of my sin. When I first become a Christian and the same for you, we sing that song, I surrender all. It seems as years go by, I've changed the tune a bit. I surrender most. <laughs> and then I get a new chorus. I surrender some. I surrender what I want. But don't you love it when, 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 I, when that born again experience, that moment, I surrender all. And sometimes as a church, we've got to come back to that. We've got to come back to that place. I surrender all my life to you. I'm going to pray a prayer. I just feel it now in my spirit. I'm going to pray a prayer for people that are just in that place that want to respond. As the worship team are going to play, I want you to come down to the front if that's you. There's just something in your heart. I'm not going to pray individually. I will after if you want pray individually, but just come down the front. And I'm going to pray a prayer of surrendering all to God. Yeah? If you want to do that, there's you take us away in a song and then halfway through I'll come back up no one comes down that's cool but if God's doing something in your heart he's going to minister to you this morning not me it's him does that make sense so would you stand with me stand with me father we just thank you for this word this morning I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives that you demand first place Lord and that's where you belong and I thank you that you are first 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 no matter what whether we put you first you are but Lord we want to align our lives with yours.